This is the Subtractive and Your Boy Rick Roy podcast, episode nine, season one. Well, we got a special guest today. We got Mike from next door, uh, comedian extraordinaire. Oh man, Robert building me up. You guys are going to be so disappointed, and that was exactly my plan. No, I met Mike um, probably a couple of years ago, dude. And one of the first things that we were starting to talk about was, you know, comedians and comedy and how he was at improv um, back in Pennsylvania. And that was like, whoa, that blew me right away. So that's why I invited him on the show today. What's it like to live a day in the life of uh, Mike from next door? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was an improv comedian in college and outside of college for a little bit. And I did a lot of acting and I had big dreams. I was at one point planning to move to Chicago and do the whole second city thing and follow people. You know, you always read about people like Will Ferrell and Steve Carell, mm-hmm. Steve Colbert. I was, I was an improv nerd, hardcore, probably more than stand up. But I had a soft spot for stand up because it's just a, it's like a very personal art form. And if you succeed at stand up, I feel like it's, I feel like stand up's harder than improv. And people say, that's crazy, because, you know, stand-up, you get the right stuff down, you can prepare, and improv. It's so much easier for me to just walk into a room and just riff and just not care about what's going on. Um, but then, after college, I was just working on jobs. I was working in Applebee's. And, uh, I had a kid on the way. And that really threw a wrench in the hole. Do whatever I want plan, because uh, the only thing sacred in my life is, you know, if you have a kid, you... You be the ultimate parent. You don't. You don't give up on that. So I ended up moving to Maine, and then uh, my relationship didn't work out, and uh, I kind of just was in a dark place and just kind of working all the time. And then I met my my uh, my wife, Katie, and uh, over the past, I'd say three to four years, we've really kind of hit some stability. My son's in kindergarten now, and she's been pushing me to do pretty much the stuff I wanted to do way back then. And uh, it, it could happen. I mean, well, I, uh, this is your first step right here, man. You're showing up, dude. You're doing a podcast about comedy. I love it. That's what I told my wife last night. Was This is literally the first thing I've done since 2012. It's been a, any, anything remotely creative. So, uh, you know, why not? That's fucking awesome, dude. Uh, how old are you? I am 32. I'll be 33 this summer. 30s are rough. Yeah, they. I wish they would have told me that. Like everybody's all like, "Oh no, your twenties are over." But now I look at all the twenty-year-olds, and I'm like, "You guys are dumb." Everybody's living longer now, so the twenties are kind of overflowing into the thirties. So your twenties and thirties are almost like the same thing. They're kind of meshed for me, at least. But then again, I never grew the fuck up. So I'm hoping to not. I'll, I'll probably hit my midlife crisis at about sixty-five. That's, that's yeah. bullshit. I've had so many fucking midlife crises. <laughs> you add them up. You add them up. I yeah, guess every, it would be a midlife. Every three years, I have a really, really good meltdown. I'm about overdue for one. Well, that's, not today. Not here on the show, Ryan. Not here on the show. Oh, I would love to do it on the show, man. That's <laughs> That would actually be great for yeah, the ratings. that would be <laughs> fucking perfect. You know, I remember back in college, there's such a different feeling when you're young and dumb and 20 and just... You grasp on a, an art form that just inspires you, and improv spoke to me more than stand-up did. And it's funny because whenever I meet people, they're always like, "Yeah, do do your stand-up, do tell a joke," and like that's I never really have any material because I just 
want to riff off stuff. So people think of me as a funny guy, but like I don't really have like a lot of stuff, you know. And in fact, I I think I have a bunch of notebooks lying around with maybe eight or nine bits of material from the age of 13 up and I feel like none of them are developed because I just didn't inspire me to follow that path. So do you think that do you think that stand up is a little more um I guess I'll use the word difficult because I'm terrible with words. Do you think it's a little more tricky to do or maybe a little more challenging because it's like it, it's it's just you by yourself. Like if you're doing improv, you can work right. off of other people. But if it, yeah. if you're doing stand up, it's just fucking you. It's either yes or no. It's either good or you it know. It depends what you're scared of more. Like some people are scared of not knowing what to say next. So if that's your biggest fear, then improv might be scarier. But if you're more scared of like writing your own personal material that that you think's funny and then it bombs, then that might be scarier than just making stuff up. So some people, I always think that it just depends on what you're more, more afraid of. That, that's a, kind of a weird way of looking at art. That's a good point. You know, like when I play live in a band, I can lean up on anybody, anybody that's up there. If I lose confidence, I can just lean on somebody else. It's not a big deal. Uh, when I make, I've never really played by myself other than like acoustic shit when nobody was really listening. So that doesn't kind of, that doesn't really count. But, um, like when I, when I'm in the studio recording and doing my own shit, it's just me. It's, it's terrifying. It is really terrifying. Um, to not have anybody to fucking fall back on, you know? Well, when you get stagnant on some material, um, it's easy to look at, oh, what are you playing over there? Yeah, let me get, let me get on that real quick, dude. And just follow along until I come up with something that's like really cool. I'm like, okay, now I got it. Now I got it. But when you're by yourself, you trash a lot of projects uh, just because it's not up to your standards or you don't think anybody's going to like it. I remember when I was doing improv and I sometimes had more fun at the rehearsals because I was performing with people for essentially the audience of the people that weren't in that scene. So it was like you're just performing for your tribe. Mm -hmm. So it was supportive and it's like that was always kind of the best laboratory to make your craft but at the same time you weren't testing it against the masses there's some weird like I don't know if you ever had this experience you're jamming, you're playing your music and you're doing it alone and that can be comforting but you're also kind of getting your head a little bit because you don't have a you need an outlet, like you need people to like develop it more so if you spend enough time kind of like isolated then you kind of withdraw a little bit that's that's absolutely where I'm at right now. I'm a complete recluse at this point. I don't even uh I I am. I mean, I'm fucking and I'm happy with it. I've done it the other way. I've done the whole mingling and playing shows, doing the bars, doing the fucking hotel scene, doing all that crazy shit. Um I'm more than happy to be a recluse now. Uh there's a lot of comfort in it and there's a lot of loneliness. If you're cool with loneliness, that's the thing. If you're going to do anything that has to do with entertainment, prepare for a fucking lonely life. That that's uh that's just the fucking fact of the matter. That's the reality of it. Yeah. When we were playing in bands growing up in uh Connecticut, ninety uh, percent of the people that would show up to our shows were our friends and shit. As we got older and our friends grew up and sort of grew apart, we were starting to play for strangers, and that's like the sink or swim. That's that's when you 
That's when you know how you're really going over. Instead of people saying, oh, good show, you you already know they're going to say good show, whether you sucked or not. That's a true impression of what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's terrifying. I... I remember every single show that I've ever played, even if it was for people that I knew, is terrifying. But you know, once you get started, it's that's that's a wrap. That terror that terror goes out the window. You have to strike that first chord and keep it rolling. I'm gonna do a shout out. If you guys want to listen to a really good podcast, uh, listen to Privateers Inc. It's a couple of my buddies that do this podcast. I've been listening to it for the past few days, and um, I don't know if I'm partial to it because it's my boys and I miss them terribly. But they're also really fun to listen to. They're just they have a whole just very relaxed delivery in their podcast, and it it makes for for me an enjoyable ride to work because I feel like I'm there with them and shit. Uh, also, they're, they're fucking hilarious. Um, Privateers Inc. You can find it on uh, Apple. What the hell is that? That Apple Podcast. Real quick, order. shout out to the Lost Tourist. BrewingCompany.com with uh, Gary Gary Crockett's Rock. He um, brews some amazing beers. Amazing fucking beers, man. His maple stout is to die for. And you can can find that in Connecticut. Uh, I wish I could have some right now. If you fuck around with SoundCloud and you look up uh, West Coast Flanders... That's my buddy Larry. He's he spins beats. He throws uh, he throws verses. He's really really talented, and I love him to death. West Coast Flanders on uh, SoundCloud, um, thesubtractive dot com. There, there's all kinds of shit on there to buy. Buy every single thing that you see on thesubtractive dot com. We'll have this podcast on there this Wednesday, uh, and a new one every Wednesday. And as always, artwork done by Kevin Saint Art, Kevin Murphy. Um, he's doing, we got some more things in the works with Kevin, Kevin St. Art. Uh, if you like completely mad, obscure, insane artwork, Kevin St. Art, you can't beat him, his artwork. He, he's, his brain, I love his brain. He, he's so out of, out of his fucking mind. Top 10 comedians, battle of the band's style. All right. And I'm not going to lie. Like when I originally wrote this idea down next to it, like, all right, because I write my ideas down in this notebook. This page says top 10 comedians, radio edit. The reason it says radio edit is because there's so many comedians that have gotten in trouble. And I I hated to exclude them because it doesn't mean they're not fucking hilarious. It just means that they fucked up. Exactly. So I didn't know a lot which... of people that I couldn't put on my list just because I knew we were going to be doing something well, like see, that. See, this—that's the thing. And I was thinking, should I not put them on my list, or should I just say fuck it and put them on the list? Um, right. Whatever, man. I mean, what are you going to say? Bill Cosby was never funny. He—he <laughs> he was hilarious. He's yeah. Bill very... Cosby is amazing, dude. At what he did on stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> After the show, I'm not saying it's, shit about the guy. Yeah. I don't. But on stage, <laughs> he yeah. was he was phenomenal. You know, are we are we agreeing that he's probably the worst of the best? Because the only reason why we consider these people is at one point in time they were in our minds untainted, mm-hmm. and then this 
social zeitgeist thing, this whole being aware of people's actual selves, not their public persona, has kind of destroyed that. Probably for the best. It it has gutted it for sure because nobody will but, ever look um, at the cause the same. Right. Yeah. You know? Like you can't even I, go I, back I, and watch the Cosby Show. I I've there, I seen a rerun. I said no, I can't watch it. I mean, because now you're you're looking at me. You say I bet you he's trying to butt fuck Theo in this scene and shit like that. You know, <laughs> that's how I watch the Cosby Show now. You want jello pudding? <laughs> you putting it in your ass, you know. So pudding pop, goose. Like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah. All right, number ten. Number ten. Uh, John Mulaney. I think, I think he will be one of the greats. Um, I think there's like a modern renaissance within the last 15 years, and I think he's kind of cracked that. Um, he's done observational comedy, he's been a writer on SNL. Uh, he wrote all the Stefan scenes with Bill Hader. Yeah. Um, he's already done his one shitty sitcom called Mulaney, <laughs> which, I, which was terrible. Not, I, feel, I feel like that's like a hallmark of yeah. being a comedian is you've done enough failures. Um, I don't know if anybody here has watched the show Crashing on HBO. He's, he's got some scenes in that in the later season. He's going to hit something one day. I thought he would have hit it by now, but he is going to hit something one day. And it's going to be like amazing. Like, uh, like even crashing Rick, I don't know if you've ever watched crashing. It's, um, no, I've never seen crashing. Um, that's on my list of things to watch when I don't have kids around all the time. I think, <laughs> I think crashing when we had, when we did our TV show podcast, I'm pretty sure I had crashing on there or I at least dropped it as a, <laughs> as an afterthought because that show is just fantastic. I like that. That's a good pick. Um, as you guys know, I don't know shit about SNL. I've never seen one episode ever. What? I have oh, to that, not be friends with you anymore, I, Rick. I'm sorry. I got a call. <laughs> I'm putting a pillowcase in Rick's head right now. Thank you. It's um, weird. How have you never watched SNL? I've seen clips. Of course I've seen clips. I've seen skits from it. I've never sat down and watched an entire episode of SNL. So fucking Mulaney. All right, we got Mulaney in there. What are you going to throw at Mulaney then? Because he's pretty formidable. I'm going to say Gallagher. <laughs> Gallagher's by number 10. We're talking about the, the watermelon Gallagher. The watermelon crusher himself, Gallagher. Oh. Not. Oh, okay. it's so gimmicky. <laughs> Dude, he's the flop comedian of the world. I mean, he yeah. started that whole shit. He was really political. And it, like, which one? Like, wasn't there like three different Gallagher's? Or, or some shit. Like, wasn't it like the one guy did it and then he died or something and then his brother did no, it or some shit? No, not that I know of. I'm pretty sure. Not that I know of. It, you gotta it f- would be nice to think that the role of Gallagher is kind of like the Blue Man group where they just hire a new Gallagher. Yeah, that would be <laughs> awesome. Like, every year. Jesus. But he, he probably would. He's still alive. Yeah, Gallagher's still alive. It'd be like the Misfits. You know how the, the Misfits used to be an entirely different band when they first came out? And now there's... I don't think... I think Jerry only's the only. He, I don't even know if he's still in the Misfits. Uh, yeah, the Misfits. That's crazy. Yeah, so, but fucking, I mean, I grew up with this kid, dude. I mean, having ponchos on the front row, people used to go wild over this guy, dude. They did. And, and as a kid, I just grew up with him always on, and uh, I just I dug it. As a kid, I dug it. 
for sure. Yeah. Like I, as a kid, I loved it. I sort of got the jokes as a kid. Like now, you know, if I watch it now, I don't know if his shit even holds up. But I did enjoy no, it. doesn't really hold up. you watch Gallery, you're like, oh, I can't wait. After the commercial uh, break, he's going to fucking start smashing shit. That's all you really watch him for. Yep. Okay. So Gallagher, Gall- so, Gallagher and Mulaney. Let me Mulaney. throw my weakest link here. <laughs> I, I was trying to think of one that would be weaker than Gallagher, and I'm coming up with a blank. Oh, wow. So Gal... <laughs> I can't even say his name without laughing, dude. I can't even think of, like, a joke he said. I can only think of the Dave Chappelle impression yes. of Gallagher when he's like, Show on a smash and And that was, that was just it. Like, yeah. that's how I remember Gallagher for the rest of my life. Is Dave no, he did that joke with, like, um, C-O-N-B spells coom. No, C-O-B spells calm. So... H-O-M-B spells home. No. And he goes through this whole fucking, like, English language bit, dude, that I thought was hilarious when I was a kid. So, what... Oh, my God. You know what? I'm going to throw one in here that's not even on my list. I have about a list of 30. So, I got Mulaney, and I have uh, Gallagher. (laughs) I'm going to throw in Carrot Top. Oh, my God. Well, dude, Car- if you're going to throw Gallagher in there, I was sitting here racking my brain. I said, who is fucking worse than fucking Gallagher? Carrot Top was on my original list. Oh, my God. Was he? <laughs> yes. He's the first person I actually wrote down when I was writing down everything. Oh, wow. Was Carrot Top. He's at the top of my list. Holy shit. Was talking about uh, steroid, the steroid guy, or like before he tried to do a steroid? When he was matter. on the chairman of the board. <laughs> <laughs> Does it matter which one? Yeah, I know it's filmography. People who watch this show, don't yeah. judge. Yeah. <laughs> chairman. I think that was just his filmography, just that one movie. Yeah, it's with that chick from Melrose Place. I, I know that movie. You know, that, what I laugh about that movie is... Um, they had her on uh, Conan O'Brien for the interview leading up to that movie. And Norm MacDonald was the other guest. And he kept interrupting. He was being such a dick, but he was such a charming dick. And then he's like, Conan, do you have anything nice to say? He was like, you saw it B-O-R-E-D. Like, just such chummy bullying. But the audience died laughing because here they were like promoting this shitty movie. Like they have to do every week, and they, the audience lost it. It was so funny, too much. All right, that's cool. So we got we got uh we got John Mul- <laughs> we got John Mulaney, Gallagher, and Carrot Top in the ring. So, so did the two prop comedians beat John Mulaney to death with the props? Is yeah, that how that works out? Yeah, because Gallagher's got a sledgehammer. And Carrot Top probably has some mouse trap with a dildo on the end of it or something. <laughs> Plus he's all jacked up on steroids now. Yeah, he's, oh, yeah, exactly. he's ridiculous looking. He looks like uh, he's more orange than our president. And he's got he's got these ridiculous looking muscles. And he's just kind of a he looks like he's had like plastic surgery. I don't know if he has or not or if that's just the way he looks. But he looks like he's done so much shit to his face. 
Oh, it really, it really does. Like the Botox and the steroids <laughs> yes, and shit like that. Ridiculous. You know, for real, dude. Now, one great terrorist top story. Yeah. Um, he lost his props one day on uh, on the plane. That's... So he had to do a show, like, with nothing. Wow. And he, he said, was like, I lost my entire act. I had no clue what the fuck to do. Mm-hmm. So I think he was like ripped up a bunch of like oddball props from like backstage at the hotel room and shit like that. Dude had to go on stage with nothing and, just and still did a good show. Okay. So you know what I mean? You're really pulling for Carrot Top. Well, I'm just saying that because he was on my list and it is a good story. And it shows that Gallagher actually lost his sledgehammer and had no fruit. <laughs> what would he do? Yeah, that that's pretty cool. I mean... You got to do what you got to do. Uh, he does have a right. lot of balls for doing what he does. Because, I mean, he, he's got to know by now he's sort of a joke. But uh, He is the most hated. He's, like, one of the most hated comedians dude, yeah. of all time. Yeah. I With, like, him that. and, like, what, like, Andy Dick. Yeah, Andy Dick. I feel like. Paulie Shore, like maybe. the Taliban of comedy. <laughs> yeah. Kathy Griffin. Kathy Griffin? <laughs> Same shit. Andy Dick, yeah. Kathy Griffin, yep. Yeah. I mean, are we going like to are we going to pretend in my movie here? Are we going to pretend like this is a fight? Or are we just going to say, "All right, John Mulaney gets it"? Like, no, John Mulaney wins. Okay, <laughs> but but if it was a physical battle, Carrot Top, Carrot Top, and yeah. uh, Gallagher would be dirty, and they they just use their props. John Mulaney would be like, "No weapon," yeah. they'd be like Jeff <laughs> Donner, and then they would just beat him with weapons, <laughs> yeah. prop weapons. <laughs> All right, we're gonna. All John Mulaney got in that fight is a big mouth, and that's what takes it. Sorry, yeah, it's fucking spider ham. We're gonna do. What is this spider ham? This... <laughs> Every time you say it's that, it makes ham. me want to laugh. All right, number ten goes to John Mulaney. That's an easy one. <laughs> that so we'll go. go. Fuck yeah, dude! Mike from next door gets one point. Sweet, I love points. And he also gets <laughs> the. He also gets the. Um, the, the the pleasure of st- kicking us off with our number nine. All right, so this one um, is kind of special to me in the sense that she has never really backed down from her style of uh, comedy. She, I think, maybe raunchier than a lot of the, the modern male comedians, and I think the even more risky material, and I think Rick knows might know where I'm going with this. I think Sarah Silverman, especially her earlier stuff, is fantastic. She's crude. Sarah Silverman is very, very unique. She, yeah. She's got her own fucking style. Like, her own her own shit, for sure. And she's gorgeous. I, I had know. a crush on her since she was on fucking SNL. I had a hard I was just going to say, dude, I mean, I've had a crush on her forever, dude. And she was a, she was a body in a casket. Or no, wait. That might have been Gilbert Godfrey. Might be mixing that story up. Yeah, they look very similar. I I think Gilbert Godfrey's pretty hot too. They're both very attractive women. Yeah. <laughs> That's so actually a good I one. I watch Aladdin, I get very aroused. So I like Sarah Silverman. Oh, um, I I don't think her jokes don't hit all the time, but a lot of the when they no. hit, they're fucking hilarious. Sometimes when I they think- when they don't hit, I feel like it's the audience's fault. Because it, it it's a it's a very very different type of comedy. Yeah, I like Sarah, uh, Sarah Silverman, dude. Uh, she, like you said, we can just discuss uh, discuss. Uh, she's really good. Uh, she has very crude humor. Um, 
I don't know, dude. I, I like her a lot. She's cool. If it wasn't for Andrew Dice Clay, Sarah Silverman wouldn't be, I don't think she would really be all that uh, relevant, dude. So I'm throwing Andrew Dice Clay in there. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Andrew Dice Clay is pretty nuts. He's, um, he doesn't give a fuck. No, he, he doesn't. He doesn't give any fucks. He's got no fucks to give. See, here's the thing. And I know he's considered a comedian. Um, it's not funny. It's shock humor. Yeah, you yeah, know, shock value. It's more of like, I'm not trying to make people laugh. I'm trying to piss people off. And he, he's really he good at He's a guy, like, in, in person, he's probably, like, the nicest guy. But, like, for his stage act, he personally goes for, like, a misogynistic <laughs> yeah. jerk reaction. Like, that's, he was a regular in the Howard Stern show, right? Yeah, he, probably. he was on Stern pretty regularly. He was on, like, O&A back in the day. Uh, Opie and Anthony back in the day, pretty regularly. Um, and there are some people that say, yeah, he's a really nice guy, but he barely ever breaks character. And uh, sometimes his character, it seems like his character is just him when he's angry. Because I've seen him go off. The, I'm sure you've seen when, when he was on the whatever fucking news they had him on and he went off cussing. Yeah, they took his headphones off because somebody yeah. brought up something about him, something about lying about something. Or yeah. I think it was gym related. Yeah, and it, really? immediately it was, uh, what the fuck, and this and that. And he, yeah, it, that's also a good clip to check out. He doesn't give a, as far as not giving a fuck, he's definitely number one. Um, yep. As far as comedy goes, he's, he trailblazed something, but I don't think anybody's really followed that path yet. I don't know. I think a lot of people have coming out with, uh, well, a lot of people before him have done this shit too, though, but his rhythm to the way he tells his jokes, it's more like a chain reaction. Like he's got one that leads into another, leads into another. He just kind of plays off that, that laugh factor, that the chain reaction. You know what I mean? Yeah. If he's going to cut somebody down, like if you're, if you're in a, if you're in a cutting match going back and forth, he's going to win. For oh, sure. Absolutely. He's just so he's he's really like rapid fire, just insults and shit. Um, yeah. That's actually. And I think Sarah Silverman like really uh, reminds me of Andrew Dice Clay, kind of. You know what I mean with that humor? Maybe I don't know. I can I don't see it personally, but I I'm not really. I've only seen a handful of dice acts. Right. And I've only seen like the the stereotypical. Uh, you know, nursery rhymes and, and a couple yeah, interviews yeah, yeah. and shit. That, that's it. I mean, if you say so, I'll take your word for it. Well, I guess that's just my opinion, you know what yeah. I mean, dude, because of how long she, she can be and how long she, he was. So we're going dice. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're going the Dice Man and Sarah Silverman. Yeah, what do you got, man? What a weird... <laughs> I know. What a weird fight. I strangely like the pairing, though. I don't know why, yeah. but... I do too, and I'm I'm not even a big dice fan either. But like I know of those bits, the rhymes, the yeah. appearances. He's been in a couple of independent films, I think, like several years ago, where he plays like old middle-aged Brooklyn dad types. You know, like huh. loving, charming figures, but like raunchy as fuck. And I have two in my head that I'm trying to figure. I'm gonna throw Mitch Hedberg at it. I saw Mitch Hedberg live, um, and I was. I was a fan of him before I seen him. I, you know, my buddy Oscar from back in the day, he showed me uh, the 
he had the CD of, I can't remember it, but it's like him playing to that like jazzy music in the background and he's doing his act over it. And it, it killed me. It, I, we, I remember we were driving, he had it playing and I said, dude, I'm not getting out of the car until this shit's over. This is fucking hilarious. I saw him open up for Lewis Black and David's Hell and he did about a 20 minute set and he killed, he destroyed. And it was so funny because he was, he was opening and he was relatively new and the audience didn't really know how to respond, but lucky for him, the whole front row was like, it was like a big group of black dudes that were laughing their ass off at him. So like nobody else even had to laugh because there was like a whole row of black dudes in the front that just had his back and I was dying and nobody else really got it. And then See, I, was, I was listening to him last night and my wife was like, I don't get it. Yeah. I'm like, what, what, what do you mean you don't get it? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I always, you know, because he's such an underdog comedian, you can tell just by watching his acts, he, he's got this crippling, like uh social anxiety. Um, but his, his jokes are so clever. They're almost like in the, in the realm of, uh, he's he almost reminds me of like a Stephen Wright. Um, but Stephen Wright where Stephen Wright's sort of like dark and dismal and gloomy. Mitch Hedberg is just fucking hilariously childish. And this is shit you think about when you're high, you know what I mean? And, uh, if you don't, if you don't get high, I don't even know if you can relate to Mitch Hedberg, but, uh, he he's one of my favorites, and he he destroyed, in my opinion, he destroyed Lewis Black and David Tellum the same night. Wow! Yeah, he and and fucking Lewis Black was awesome. David Tell is David Tell. You either like David Tell or you don't. Dice Man, Sarah Silverman, and Mitch Hedberg. Real quick, my favorite um, Mitch Hedberg joke so far is um, he was talking about writing a joke. And if his pen's too far away from the bed, so just have to forget that the joke was funny. Have to yeah. convince myself that the joke is not funny because yep. you can't get up and get the pen. That's right. And it was just shit like that. I'm just sitting there, just even not laughing out loud. I'm just smiling, like nodding and smiling, going yep. And, <laughs> you know, I, and I'm not saying this is an insult, but it does remind me of something. The fact that you just destroyed his joke, explaining it. <laughs> um, the fact that you just tore apart his joke explaining it kind of reminds me like sometimes his jokes are not on point and they're not funny, but his awkward delivery will make shit funny. Exactly. Yeah. I, I like, Thanks. I think he's one of my favorites, man. Um, you know, I'm going to have to, you know, I know I picked Sarah Silverman, but now that we did this in a battle format, I'm going to have to give it to Mitch. And Mitch is all the way. No, we're doing you won Mitch, Mitch man. Mitch Hedberg, uh, um, fucking rested. And it's weird because here you've got the Dice Man who had kind of a cult following and right. then never had like a long-standing career. Mm-hmm. You've got Sarah Silverman who started out kind of as a failing sketch artist and right. then became a standout breakout and then is now like a movie star. Yep. And then you've got Mitch who's dead. Yeah, he, he had like, a very is, small career, unfortunately. Yeah, very small, short-lived career. But talk about dying out in a flame man like not being yeah. snuffed out but like burning in our memory yep. he was big when i was in college like i remember when he died too like that when your death stands out even if you were like making it not fully fledged i almost feel like you'll never stop thinking about what it would be like if he was still around yeah right i know yep he's the he, exactly. he's the kurt cobain of comedians man because 
you, you, you uh, always want to nice you always want to like think about damn what would that next album what would that next what would his next bit be you know how how fucking funny yeah. would that be the good thing is his shit was so far ahead of his its time I I I believe his shit was ahead of its time um that maybe comedy will catch up to it cuz co- comedy's starting to take itself more seriously and kind of let loose at the same time. It, it's a fucking weird. Comedy's become so fucking massive. Uh, I think his comedy's come back in memes. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, co- comedy's just, like, comedians have become, like, the new rock stars because fucking music's yep. dead, <laughs> you know? So now it's comedians are just, you know, the next thing that America's going to destroy is comedians. So just enjoy funny comedians while they're here because... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe it happens in cycles because I am um, in my isolation here. I've always kind of felt like improv and stand up haven't been as big, with the exception of like, you know, like your Kevin Hart's and your your grandstanding like right. Madison Square comedians. You know, it's either you're a you're a big selling comedian or you're a very famous anti comedian like Pete Holmes right, or right. you know the. Uh, well, you saw Crashing, so you know that that reference. They talk about the anti-comedy crew, like yeah. college tours. Boy, the, the anti- so like Unless you're doing those two, it's been hard for me to see any comedians being rock stars. But I'm, I'm glad you do. I mean, that gives me faith that, that yeah. by the time I uh, get into it, that's when we start destroying them. Yeah, I, I hope so. I feel like there's an uprising. because, um, And I think it has a lot to do with uh, people wanting to keep the freedom of speech alive. So there's so much shit saying out there saying, you can't say this, don't say that, don't hurt this person's feelings. And comedians are like, do you know what we do for a living? Let, <laughs> let me show you. Let me, let me show you what, how we make our fucking money, you know? So yeah. it, it's more about just comedy. It's more of like exercising your rights. And I think that's what's going to, I think that's where the, the rock stardom reference comes from. Fuck yeah, dude. Mitch Hedberg. Start us off at number eight, bro. All right, number eight. Number eight. I'm going to go with J.B. Smooth. J.B. Smooth from uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm? Yes. Have you ever seen his stand-up? Uh, only, I haven't seen his stand-up, no, but I, I watched maybe three episodes of Curb, and he was the only character that really stood out to me. He has a stand-up special on, I want to say, Netflix. I've never seen his stand up other than like little bits on like Comedy Central's little, you know, they got that Jeff Comedy Jam. What? No, <laughs> what? Jeff Comedy was on Jeff Comedy Jam. That's so man. racist. Why? Because he's black? What the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? No. Because, you know, on Comedy Central, they have like that, that half hour show where they have like different comedies showing little bits and shit. I saw a couple of them on there. He has a whole hour special on netflix and it is so batshit crazy we were talking about like alternate comedy and shit like that with sarah silverman he does shit on stage i've never seen any comedian do his his brain is fucking really really amazing you you do have to watch that that that's like a homework assignment you guys have to watch that it's so good yeah i'm gonna check this guy out i'm adding it to my notebook right yeah, now yeah dude I watched it at the end. I said, it's called, oh my God, it's called That's How I Do's It by J.B. Smooth. 
Holy shit. If you watch that, you'll say, wow, that I never thought to even approach stand up like that. Cause he's, he's doing oh. shit that he's doing different shit. And that's really hard to do in comedy. That's hard to do he's in anything. Out of the box, huh? Yeah. Way out of the box. I love it. Way out of the box. Not so much. He's not really alternative. Like he's not like Reggie Watts out there, but he's, you know, he, <laughs> I'm going to add Reggie Watts to my side list here because <laughs> I love Reggie. I do too, man. That's um, the max weird to me. Yeah, he he's not quite so bizarre as him. He's still doing his stand-up bit, but it is so fucking... He, it's one of the most creative stand-ups I've seen in a very, very long time. Well, I'm getting excited for that, just yeah, dude, hearing the... You're gonna... The, trust the pitch, me, man. you won't be disappointed, and you'll laugh your ass off. He's insane. And you can tell, like, even watching him, watching that show, you can tell... You, you can sort of like guess what was going through his mind while he was writing these bits too. It, it's really transparent and it's batshit crazy. JB Smooth. Yeah, unfortunately, I've never I've never heard of this guy. Um, I've now that I'm looking at him, I've seen him in a yeah. couple things. And, <laughs> I was gonna uh, say you've never heard of him, but if you see him, you'll be like, oh yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, he's got yeah, a exactly. very. And once I saw him, I'm like, oh, that dude. Yeah, he's got a very memorable face. All right, JB Smooth, what do you got, Mike, from next door? All right. Uh, looks like Katie Smooth's going up against um, Patton Oswald. Patton Oswald. Hell yeah. Oh, man. that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I um, am a huge Patton Oswald fan. Actually, I think I may have seen more of his specials than any modern comedian. Nice. Like a, somebody in the last 15 years. Um, he's great at being political, but not too biting. Like, I feel like. More people walk out of a David Cross concert than a Patton Oswalt concert. Yeah, yeah, but probably so. My my favorite joke that he does is he talks about his first time really bombing on stage. He was mm-hmm. at some tour in D.C., and he talks about how he was telling a joke, and before he could get to the punchline, somebody called him a faggot in the front row. And then he shit his pants and sneezed and then walked off. And the way he tells the story... <laughs> is so fucking funny because he's so confident in his ability to shit his pants. <laughs> I've never seen a man so confident in his failures and not give a shit about no it. No way. It is amazing. Um, all of his specials, and even back during the George Bush era, um, he I think that's when he was really starting to hit his stride. Yeah. yeah. That's when they had the, what was it, the Comedians for Comedy? Mm-hmm. It was like him and um, Wasn't it Mary, Maria Bam- Bamford and Maria Bamford. Uh, that, that whole group. Yeah. Brian Persane. Brian Persane, yeah, that's who I was thinking of. They were all kind of making their way at that time. Um, but I feel like he's now, like John Mulaney, he's kind of reached that cultural, like mm-hmm. he he's now the new voice of the Secret Life of Pets dog. Yep. Max, he replaced, uh, what's his face, the guy who's in our, our other side list. <laughs> um. He's in movies. He's in Goldbergs. Oh yeah, the Goldbergs. Yeah, he's in the Goldbergs. Yeah. Now he's in the fucking. I forgot. Yeah, he's the voiceover guy. He's in the yeah. uh, the Netflix show with uh, Maloney. What what the fuck's uh? What where he's Christopher the... Maloney? Yeah. What's that show with? Oh, the... Happy. Thank you. Yeah, he's yep. unhappy. Oh, too. Happy's fucking great. Yeah, he's the yeah. voice of the yep. little weird thing. Whatever the hell that is. The unicorn thing. There you go. <laughs> All right. 
right. not, not that I'm a huge sitcom guy, but he was also in the King of Queens, too. Yeah, he yep. was. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, King of like Queens. He made Kevin James funnier. Yeah, King of Queens wasn't really that bad of a show. It was it was decent. Yeah. Like, if you're into shit like that, it was one of the better ones. Yeah. It was better than TV. fucking that Belushi. <laughs> oh, that? God. I forgot about that. Oh, man. I saw that not too long ago. I said, holy shit, this is the most god. Oh, my God. It's the same chick that was in Chairman of the Board. <laughs> the, 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 wife, the wife on that show. No, the wife on the, on the, on the, on the Jim Belushi. Uh, I'm sorry. The, oh, no, yeah. Yeah, the wife on that was the same chick from Chairman of the Board. I can't think of her name. Oh my God, Melrose Place one. Yeah, yeah, it's the same same lady. But she's just got a. I just never a bad run. I will never forget how devastated she was during that interview. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, good for her for keeping her shit. But she got she got destroyed. She got fucking. <laughs> she didn't have a chance, dude. No. And Norm Macdonald. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that later, I guess. So. The the top ten weekend update. Guys, after Rick does his homework and watches SNL for 30, 40 years of material. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, Weekend Update. He was my favorite. He was my all-time favorite Weekend Update. Number same, one. man. Same. Yeah. Norm is my number one. He's the number one. And then I'd, I'd argue maybe somewhere Colin Quinn or Dave. Yeah, I was a big uh, Kevin Nealon fan. Kevin Nealon. Because Kevin Nealon. He, he, he personified an anchor man better than any of them, in my opinion. Uh, you know what? Yeah. Maybe Chevy Chase did okay. But he, as far as like being a, a serious, like sound, acting like an anchor man, he did the best. Uh, Norm MacDonald did not act like an anchor man. He acted like Norm MacDonald trying to do fake news. And that just. Norm, yeah, it's like they're like. He just walked into the news studio and somebody was like, we need somebody to do the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, all right. He fucking killed it every week, too. He was so funny. Anyways. I'll never forget. Before we get in with the list, I got one more Norm story. Go ahead. Do you remember the story he did? It was the week that OJ got away with it. And he did that joke or like, this just in murder is now gonna declare legal in California. I do remember that. And the audience, like, I think they laughed for like four minutes straight. Yeah. It was <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, he, the best Weekend yeah. Update joke. Yeah, it was. And it wasn't even a, I mean, it was a great joke, but nobody can match his delivery. Because if you. It, his delivery made it even better, yeah. like Mitch Hedberg style. Yeah, his delivery is so unique. Nobody, nobody can even touch, come close to it. Nobody can do anything like Norm Macdonald does because he's got that just very unique asset about him. I feel like we're going to be talking about him a lot more later. <laughs> oh yeah. So we got Patton Oswalt and JB Smooth. You know, what? I'm going to go with another sitcom guy, but awesome stand-up, Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac. Interesting. I dug your, I dug your style. You know what I mean? He's really funny. He has his own. I wouldn't call him edgy at all. He's not. No, edgy. not really. And I'm not saying he's that... a good um, dad, like an exasperated dad yeah. character on the Bernie Mac yep. show. I was like his his dad type, <laughs> just angry with everything. So Bernie Mac, Patton Oswalt, and JB Smooth. These are really, really bizarre matchups. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know where to 
really advocate for any of these. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm going to probably go with Oswald. Patton Oswald's been fucking humping it for so long. He's got about the biggest <laughs> track record out of, out of the three of them. I'm going to give a point to Patton. All right. Number seven. Number seven. Number seven actually says Dave Chappelle, take that Rick. Right. Number seven. <laughs> nice. That's what it says. So you're kicking it off with Dave Chappelle, and Dave Chappelle is one of the funniest people on the planet. Very, very interesting resume. So he does uh, he does stand-up, then he does Half-Baked, which was a great movie when I first saw it. I went back and seen it maybe a year ago, and I was like, holy fuck, I can't even watch this. He does the Half-Baked, and then he gets his own show for two seasons, and then he disappears off the face of the planet for about, what, ten years? Maybe more. I don't even know. It's, I'm really bad with time. And then he comes back, and he, he comes out with these killer, killer stand-up fucking routines. Oh, my God. They were so great. They're perfect. I mean, he, he, Equanimity and what was the other one? They were both paired together on Netflix, yeah, right? They were uh, yeah. too perfect. They were fucking great. They were great, and he, um, you know, I, he played. I don't know if you know anything about Connecticut, but there's um, a very popular venue right next to Yale, called Toad's Place, and uh, this was years ago. This was when while he was making his say comeback, he had booked a show at Toad's Place, and he started to do his set, and after about two minutes of people people yelling Rick Jum Rick James bitch. He said, fuck uh, you guys and got off. He didn't even do his show. He About after a minute. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, you remember that? He said. No, I, remember, I wasn't in Connecticut at the time, yeah. but I was like, no shit, yeah. dude. Because I saw I saw Dave Chappelle a couple of years ago, and I was like, oh, I hope this guy doesn't walk out. And he actually talked about it at his show. You don't want to be typecast to one thing. And that it, he, he wrote such great material that. It's shit that, you know, it's it's water cooler shit. You can bounce off of each other at work. And, you know, even now, if I said, I'm Rick James, bitch, everybody knows what I'm talking about, you know? Yep. There's a good crack to smile no matter what. Yeah. He, uh, he suffered kind of from his successes, kind of mm-hmm. like Steve Martin did. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. that, but oh, good point. Steve Martin's track as a comedian back in the 70s and 80s, he was the stand-up guy back then. Yeah, he was. And uh, when he did his whole rise, I think he realized about, I think he did Madison Square. He started doing his bit, and he realized everybody in the front two rows was doing the bit alongside of him. Oh, like, shit. they were mouthing his bits. <laughs> and he was like, it wasn't a comedy oh. show anymore. It was a pop show. Yeah. People weren't coming to the laugh. They were coming to take part in it. Exactly. And it like, kind of took it comedy away from him. And that's why he stopped doing stand-up and started doing movies and sketch and stuff like that. Right. So I feel like Chappelle suffered that at the height. Like, they... They offered him like a fifteen million dollar contract, and was like, "I, I can't do it anymore." Yeah, yep. I, you know, and I don't know if- that's great. That <sighs> you know, it, it's real nice. It has to be nice. I couldn't tell you from experience, but it's got to be nice to be in a comfortable position where you can say f- no to that. Um, I can't see myself being in a position to say no to that much money, but you can say no to that and still stick true to yourself. That's really, really admirable. It takes a lot of balls to walk away from a paycheck like that. It doesn't think that's going to compromise your sanity. Did you guys hear the rumor that, um, that whole story about him, there was like a story about him going to Africa 
and like losing his mind and like going to some rehabilitation mm-hmm. center. And it was probably a load of shit, but that whole story came behind. I think it was like an Eddie Griffin interview. Somebody was interviewing him and they said that he was blacklisted. Like the people that offered him the money, like they had, that's how much control they had and like how much race could have been an impact. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- that's funny that you mentioned that rumor too, because I can, I can remember at least four rumors of what happened to Dave Chappelle. That was definitely one of them that he went to Africa. Actually, the exact rumor as I remember it was he went to Africa to, be, you know, get back in touch with his roots and he went there with like most deaf. Like that was, that was one of the, that was one of the things that I remember. And I was like, yeah, that probably didn't happen. You know, that's, that's a really strong pick, a strong contender, Dave Chappelle. I'm going to say Holly Mandel. Howie fucking crazy ass Mandel, huh? Fuck yeah, man. That motherfucker's bonkers. Yeah. Motherfucking Bobby's world, bro. Yeah, he is batshit crazy now. What what the fuck happened, dude? Oh, dude. So the germaphobe? Yeah. You know, he, he used to... I remember seeing his bits back in the day when he would do the Bobby voice and shit. He was really funny. He would always draw a great crowd. And then he just lost his mind. Oh, when he would blow the condom up on his head or whatever the fuck that bit was. And then he just lost it, dude. He lost his mind. And it made, like, his bits... He's still really funny, but it has that fucking insane edge to it now. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like Bob Saget, right? He's got, like, a family-friendly vibe, but he's always got that dark undercurrent. Yeah, yeah, that's... Exactly. See, that's, that's, how he, it, that's how he was. Now he's all that, plus he's really insane with the fucking germ thing. The germ thing is, like, 90% of his bit. And I don't know if, like... I feel like his germophobia, the way that he deals with it is he turns it into material and that's how he... Yes. So I get it, but it's it's also very compartmentalized. Like, it's it's also just... It's like a, he's like a one-trick pony now, which kind of sucks for him because he's... Well, I disagree with that. Um, there's, there's a show called uh, This Isn't Happening on Comedy Central. <laughs> and it's uh, comedians and actors and shit like that coming on telling real stories. And he comes on that show, and yes, he comes up with the um, germaphobe thing. They're on a strip club, like you couldn't even fucking clean the stripper pool, like seriously. I mean, I did the whole Bobby's bit for my dad's friends and all that shit when they're getting high. I go up there and do the whole Bobby <laughs> thing, and it's all funny. I'm gay, dude. And yeah, it's. I love Holly, man. He was crazy. Howie Mandel. He was so so insane. You can see him just being uncomfortable and insane in his own skin. He's spiraling out on stage. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the best thing, if you ask me. That's real. It is real. That's real shit. It is real. Really raw comedian. It's a huge contrast to how his bits used to go back in the day. Yep. I mean, it's it's nothing. Like, if you've seen the... If you watch the Bobby bit and all that shit... Uh, from back th- and then right directly after you see the bit that you're talking about, you wouldn't even know it was the same person. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go with Dennis Leary. Ah, there you Ooh. go. Cross him off my list. All right, you know who I had on my side list here, What's Mr. That? Bill Hicks. Yeah. So, as a Dennis Leary fan, I gotta ask you, what do you feel about that whole Bill Hicks and Dennis Leary thing? 
I don't you know. What I'm talking I about. don't know anything about it. You don't. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so let me. Um, I hope I don't change your mind on this, but this is what I. Back in college, I was watching Dennis Leary, and my buddy got me into Bill Hicks stand up. Yeah. And he told me the whole story about how all of Dennis Leary's act, the start of his stand up career, was completely stolen from Bill Hicks. His whole chain smoking, really neurotic, uh, going against politics and especially religion, um, just charismatic pessimist. All of that was taken from it. And that there's this whole story. You can look this up online too. And not just like the the unsourced stuff. There are sources yeah. that Bill Hicks didn't believe it at the time until one of his last shows before he passed away from lung cancer um, actually confronted him about it, said, you stole my fucking act. So, I don't know you guys wow. know joke dealers, but Dennis Leary has a weird spot on my list because I think Dennis Leary is talented in his own right, but I don't know how to pick him as a comedian because I love Gasshole song that he does. But all of his stand-up, I feel like, is... He's got to start from not his own material. So it's hard for me to... That is a good point. And, you know, now that you say it, it's it's so obvious. Like, now that, you tell, now that you're telling me that, I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that, I can totally see that. I can absolutely see that. Um, and I mean, also, wow, looking, looking at my list, two spots down from Dennis Leary, I have Bill Hicks. Huh. And I, ah, there I, it is. I wrote these in order as I was thinking them. I, I can, but like you said, it doesn't really take away with what he is capable of. Uh, I am a huge Bill Hicks fan. Um, I will stick with Dennis Leary just because I already put it out there. Yep, exactly. And, and Dennis Leary was on my sidebar. I mean, I liked him from his MTV shit. I, and that was as, really as far as it went for me. It was like his rant on MTV or like little rant on stage and shit like that. But he was a ranter to now, me. What you're talking about, his little cameo commercial things during MTVs, I know what you're talking right. about. That, that is exactly what Mike from Next Door is talking about. Those are those Bill Hicks bits. I can see them now. Even like the – because they were shot in black and white and they were trying to be like – yeah. Noir type, yeah, I can totally see that. I'm gonna, st- I, I mean, I'm not gonna backpedal. I'm gonna stick with Dennis Leary, but that is really cool. I will do research on that. I'm really interested to see how. What next? Uh, yeah. Next podcast that I'm uh, that I'm on, I'm gonna ask you about that again because I'm I'm always curious how people's feelings evolve. I've got comedians that I was a huge fan of, and then nowadays I'm like, yeah, I'm either neutral or I can't stand them yeah yep. i can't i mean it, it won't change the way that i feel because rescue me is one of the best shows that's been on like cable like rescue me is an amazing fucking show oh see i'm not that's like that's he's elite yeah he's he's front and center oh. and he is no, he, he plays himself pretty much yeah. or now i don't know like now is he playing himself or is he playing fucking bill hicks see i don't know man he totally it's <laughs> a mindfuck yeah dude yeah. You know about Bill Hicks, though, is Bill Hicks, if you watch his stand-up, a lot of the audience is in, like, laugh out loud funny. Yeah. They're, in, they're intellectually involved in his show. Right, right. Ooh, he is educating his guests. He is. He is, yeah. So, fucking, this is, we're going to do Chappelle, Mandel, and Leary. I'm, 
Uh, I think everybody knows where my vote's going. We already know where this is going, so I'm just going to write down Chappelle. Is that cool with everybody? Yep, Chappelle okay. won. Congratulations. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, a, I'm, just a, I'm just a slut for points, guys. I'm just, <laughs> straight up. Fuck yeah. Number seven, Chappelle. So, yeah. That I'm I'm really interested. I, like, as soon as I get off tonight, I'm going to check that Leary shit out for sure. That Leary and uh, Hicks. That's interesting. Yeah, it really is. Good point, Mike. Good point. All right, we're uh, we're uh, approaching the midway mark. We're on number six. Number six. You mentioned him earlier. I feel like he is the biggest influence on guys like Dave Chappelle to Chris Rock. The only thing I'll say is I I just recently watched his tambourine special. I thought that was a really raw. He talks about how he cheated on his wife, and it was just really really raw to hear him talk about like he just tarnished that he he had meant something shameful on on stage and it's pretty raw he's being transparent yeah. yeah the whole point of the tambourine is that he should have been supporting his wife and supporting her and he didn't and now he should be seen as shameful and he's like owning it you know he talks to the he speaks to the audience as if they're human beings he's not there to entertain you he's there to have a conversation with you when i was 19 maybe 18 I worked in the uh, the mall where we grew up, and I'm going to tell you the job that I worked because this just adds this new level of insanity to this whole thing. So in the in this mall that I worked in, there was a place that had these mechanical animals that... Oh, shit. Okay, so mothers would bring their kids and pay a few bucks, and they could ride these animals, and... I worked the day shift riding little snot-nosed kids on these animals. Sometimes they would rent these things out for parties, and I would have to load these things up on a van and bring them to somebody's house. And I would have to get to this place. I would have to get to the mall at like 7.30 in the morning to do this. So 7.30, I have this huge van pulled up to the door. I'm wheeling out this panda bear, (laughs) this fucking (laughs) huge panda bear onto the back of a a van and I look over and somebody pulled up behind me. It was a blue, maybe a, uh, it was like a blue Ford tempo or something. Very non unassuming vehicle. Two guys get out. One guy was huge. And the other guy was Chris rock. What? And yeah. And I at the Meriden square. Yeah. And I was like, dude, that guy looks like Chris rock. And the more I looked at him, I said, dude, that guy is fucking Chris Rock. So I went over there and they were both looking at the doors to the mall and they were talking to each other. And I went up and I said the dumbest thing ever. I said, are you Chris Rock? You know, I went up and I said, are you Chris Rock? And I'm looking at him. I said, yes, he is. Why are you asking him? You know, he said, yeah, he was the nicest fucking dude. Like he, he didn't like shrug me off or nothing. I said, oh, what are you doing there? He said, we're we're filming a little bit and this and that. And they said, this is the best time to go. But, you know, so he filmed, I don't know what the hell the film footage was for, but he was filming shit at the mall while I was loading mechanical animals into the back of a fucking van dressed, dressed like an asshole to go to some kid's <laughs> birthday party. Wow. Yeah. What year Where's the safari gear and shit? This was probably 99, maybe 98. Right. Ninety-nine. What was he filming back then? I have no idea. I want. I, I really hope. I'm trying to think. I really, I really hope it's Pootie Tang, but I think that was a couple of years before. And I don't know why they were at the Meriden Square. 
And I don't even know if it was for a movie. There was no camera crew there. It was just him and his, what I'm assuming, bodyguard or, or whatever, because the dude was enormous. The guy that he was with was six foot three. Must have been. Must have been. Yeah. He was a big old dude. He didn't have too much to wow. say either. But Chris Rock was a complete uh, gentleman. I got to shake his hand, have a very brief conversation with him. Um, lucky motherfucker. Yeah. Fucking Chris Rock, dude. Dude, you asked about being in the movie Friday? Did I ask to be in the movie Friday? No, did you ask him about being in the movie Friday? No. I mean, that was the guy from Friday, right? No, I wasn't going to interview him. I, <laughs> I, I'm not, I was, I was 19. I was not that ballsy. <laughs> I had, I had zero questions to ask him. It I was, was so starstruck. Friday. I was just trying to make a joke. God damn it. It's a well-known fact that black comedians love being mistaken for other black. They, yeah, yeah they, I know. Right. They love being interchangeable. That's great. I'm just, I was, so number six uh, with Chris you're Rock. You're gonna cut that out. You're gonna cut that shit out. You know that. Yeah, I guess I'm probably. You're gonna get so much hate mail. Yeah. You're gonna cut that out, dude. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut it so that it sounds like Rick saying something extremely racist. <laughs> so what? Do you, Every time we pick a number, it's like Rick. What's your favorite? He's like, I think my favorite is Bill Cosby. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, I like it. And then, it. like, that's every suggestion. The only <laughs> suggestion. That would be a great concept Christ. to have Bill Cosby in the ring every single round and just have his ass beat every single Bill round. Bill Cosby. Yeah. Perfect. So, He's my favorite comedian. Your boy, Rick Roy. That's a great story, man. What do you got for, what do you got to go up against Chris Rock? I'm going to go with John Wickles. Ooh, that's a good one. Wow, you're gonna go with Rickles. Holy shit, that is I a really good one. I need points. I have no place in the fucking board. Don Rickles, man. That is a good one. That's a really good holy. Don yeah. Rickles is one of the best, not just comedians, but insult comedians. Oh I my think, god, of all he time is, he's now. incredible. He he's incredible in anything that he does because he's he's one of those guys. He just has that. I don't think it's an act. I think that's how he is all the time. That's how the fuck he is. Yeah. Cause I, there was an episode of like the Andy Griffith show that he was on and he was very young and he even killed yeah. that. He just, he, he's just wide open all the time. He's so funny too. And he doesn't stop. He just keeps going. People yeah. keep laughing. He just keeps on fucking going with it. Dude. So you're fucking like pissing your pants laughing. Yeah, you're, you're defeated after the first insult, but it doesn't even matter. Your he's jaw gonna, hurts. He, and, yeah. and you know what? People are like, Pick me, pick me, make fun of me, make fun of me. You know what I mean, dude? Yeah. It's like it's an honor being picked by Don Rickles to yeah. have him heckle you or make fun of you or have a, have you in their joke. Head. You know what I mean? I mean, I love Chris Rock. He was on my list, but I, I actually crossed out a Chris Rock for a Don Rickles just because of his history. You know what I mean? I don't know if this is going to win. I really hope my pick wins because I love this guy. He's He's one of the funniest guys. He's also deceased. Um, he's also one of those like, man, if he was still alive, but he was so fucking funny when he was with us, he was so fucking funny. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Patrice. Patrice O'Neill. Patrice O'Neill. Never heard of him. Oh, come on. Come on, man. I'm going to look him up. I'm going to look him up. You have so much homework to do. He, was, he did so much stuff with David Tell and um, Norton. Uh, him and Norton were like. And Norton. Yeah, Jim Norton. Him and Jim Ross. Norton were fucking like almost best yeah, friends, Ross. I think. Jeff Ross. Yeah. What's his name? 
Patrice O'Neill. Yeah. He did stuff with Colin Quinn. Yep. And David Tell, Jim Gordon. Louis um, C.K. He did. Oh, yeah. it's just Ken. Okay. Yeah, he he was on a few roasts. He was he made frequent appearances on the Opie and Anthony show. His stand-up comedy is great. It's it's very well. It's not polished. That's why I like it. So it's it's very authentic. He's he's one of my favorite comedians. The question is, does he beat Chris Rock? I don't know. Does he beat Don Rickles? I don't know. No, nobody really can tell because he didn't. He he wasn't with us for very long. <laughs> he does this bit where he's he's talking about uh, how great his wife is, and you know you don't know you don't have a great wife unless until she tells you that your piss tastes like birthday cake and you should go to the doctor. What? Because that's he would just get raw. He they, he said his him and his wife would do crazy shit. They would piss on each other. They would do all kinds of shit. And she came to him and said, "Your your pee tastes like birthday cake." You really need to go to a doctor," he said. "That's when you know oh, you got a good no. wife." Yeah. Word. Yeah. Wow, that's wow. Yeah, that's probably why he hang around with uh, Jim Norton. Yeah, I feel probably like Jim Norton so. was the same kind of comedian. <laughs> yeah. It's all good at Englewood with this guy. Uh, Patrice is amazing. I I love him. I hate that he's dead. He's one of those guys. Like, damn, if he kept going, you know what I mean? Uh, unfortunately, he didn't but I felt like I really needed to get him out there because he is one of my top three easily. Good call, man. Very satire. He's a satire comedian. As far as Patrice, Chris Rock, and Rickles, though, um, Patrice is probably going to have to sit this one out because Chris Rock and Rickles have Mm. massive resumes. I don't even know if I want Rock to win this one, and he's my pick. You know, I love Rickles so much. Yeah, I know. I'm the same way because I love Chris Rock, man. I love Patrice. I, I laugh at Chris Rock. Don't get me wrong. I'll laugh at Chris Rock, and sometimes um, I'll feel bad about some of Don Rickles' jokes. But you look at the person laughing, and what he said was, um, it's only a joke if the person's laughing with you. You know what I mean? And then it's not a joke anymore. It's like, yo, I'm sorry about that. If they don't laugh, it's not a joke. And I like that about him, you know? I, I'll give it to Donnie. Yeah, by default, I think Rickles is going to win it. I'm going to throw my head in for Rickles, yeah. too. I think he's yep. just got a more... Fucking I know it's crazy because Rock's had a storied career, but Rickles is... Yeah. Here he is, and he's still performing. Rickles, man. I'm turning away. I don't know, maybe he died. No, he died a couple years ago. Yeah, he, yeah. But damn, he made it. You know, you got to think about... You got to think about it like this. He lived a fucking long life because people that lived back in the day, like that grew up in the 50s and the 60s, they lived such... As far as, like healthy and shit like if you remember if you look back like think about Sinatra back in the day when he was in his 20s he looked like he was in his 50s everybody just aged so poorly back then so the fact right. that Don Rickles lived as long as he did is amazing it's, it's, it's really an accomplishment in itself alright Rickles man number 6 Rickles comes in fucking Don Rickles Rick Roy gets a point whoop whoop to be continued. The Subtractive and the Boy Rick Roy podcast are going to be on SoundCloud. Or you can get them on thesubtractive.com. Everything's on there. The Subtractive album, Another Time, is for sale on Bandcamp. You might as well just go to thesubtractive.com to fulfill all of your thesubtractive needs. 